Well, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to worship at Calvary, wherever you might be worshiping at, whether you're here in the worship center, shout out to all of you over in the chapel or at our Minnetonka campus, or all of you who are watching online somewhere else in the world. And we hope all of us sitting here in the Twin Cities, at least that you are watching in a much warmer, warmer place. Every so often I get somebody who sends a picture of themselves like in Mexico or something watching on the beach. So I like to just kind of imagine that happening right now somewhere. But again, we're so glad that we can worship together in Jesus' name all across the world even. So happy new year to you all. We hope that you had a very blessed Christmas and New Year's and that obviously you survived the snow-nami that we have gone through and found a place to put all the snow on your driveway and found your way back to church, which is a good, good thing. Now, you may or may not know that during this school year, we have been focusing specifically on how we are called to be followers of Jesus. You know, Jesus doesn't just call us to be believers. I mean, belief is important, but it doesn't just stop there. He calls us to actually follow him, which means putting our faith into action. It means actually living it out day to day. It means taking another step of faith, no matter who we are. And, and in the process, the goal is that we would be transformed to be more and more like Jesus in how we treat others and how we make our decisions and really just every aspect of our life. And so as we enter this new year of 2023, it's really a, a great gauge that we can use to look at our spiritual health and our spiritual journey. We can be asking the question, you know, in what areas of my life am I looking more and more like Jesus? But then you have to ask the other side of the coin, which is, you know, what are the areas in my life where I'm maybe not looking so much like Jesus? And what can I do to turn that around? You know, you can be asking yourself, you know, am I growing more or less patient? You know, maybe the best place to ask that question is when you're at the grocery store or you're in traffic. Or you could be asking yourself, am I growing more or less loving towards others. I mean, not just the easy to love people, but those people that get under your skin. You know, are you more or less loving towards them? How about, am I more or less kind, especially when it comes to people who maybe look at the world differently than I do? Am I growing more or less understanding as I go through my work life or my family life or wherever else you might go? You know, we believe that following Jesus is a growing experience. And that means that we're never done growing, no matter who we are. You know, we might say, well, I've been a believer for 75 years, and that's awesome, but there is still room for growth, no matter who you are. There's another step of faith that God is calling you to take. You know, we are here on earth at this moment, in whatever place you are at, for a reason. God has you where you're at for a reason. And part of that is for you to advance his kingdom by using your gifts and your abilities and your talents. And in the process, he's transforming you to be the person he wants you to be. But here's the problem. Anytime we step out in faith, anytime we start to move forward and we start to follow Jesus, we're going to run into obstacles. There's going to be barriers in our life that we have to overcome. 
You know, sometimes the biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge for us in growing in faith is simply starting, right? It's just moving forward. It's taking that very first step. And so I think it's a a great time at the beginning of the year to talk about how and why to take that first step. And so I'm titling the message today, Get Your Feet Wet. And as we talk about that theme, we're going to look at a passage of Mark chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app or however else you like to interact with Scripture, I'd invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. Now, you may or may not realize that Mark, out of all the other Gospel writers, was a Grinch. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's because he doesn't spend any time on the Christmas story. He's like, I don't have any time for that. I'll leave that up to Matthew and Luke and John. They can do that stuff. I'm going to dive right in to Jesus as a 30-year-old. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And this is what it says. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, And he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Now, there's a lot going on in that passage of scripture, and there's some very interesting characters, right? I just love to imagine John the Baptist and like what he looked like and what he sounded like. But this morning, what I want to focus on is a very unlikely character in the story. It's one that we might read about and then not even stop to think about. And that character is the Jordan River. Because you see, throughout the Bible, the Jordan River is actually a major character. The Jordan River is mentioned over 200 times in the Old and New Testament combined. It's a frequent place that gives us a landmark so we can get our bearings of where things are happening. It's the site of tons of action scenes all throughout scripture. The Jordan River provided a natural barrier between a land called Canaan and all of the other countries that were to its east. Now, all throughout history, people have often had a sacred view 
of rivers because rivers play such an important role in survival and in how things are done. So imagine the Egyptians and their relationship to the Nile. Or imagine people in India and the Ganges River, or people in Brazil and the Amazon River, or all of us in Minnesota and the Mississippi River. Rivers are so important. Now, for the pagan people who were living near the Jordan River, it was very symbolic of the power and the presence, the protection and the providence of their gods because their survival depended on the river. For the Israelites though, they mainly saw the Jordan as an obstacle that they had to face. It was a barrier for them. You know, before they were able to enter the promised land, they stood at the banks of the Jordan River and they stared into the distance of where they were called to go on the east side of the river as they stood there. They longingly wanted to be in the promised land, but they saw this huge, huge obstacle that they had to overcome. It was something that they had to do to carry on their mission that God had given them. And so through scripture, whether they're fleeing their enemies, whether they're outsmarting their opponents, whether they're trying to just finally get into the promised land, The Israelites generally saw the Jordan River as an obstacle to overcome before they could realize their calling and their potential. And it actually became the source of a common expression for Jewish people, and it's sometimes even still used today. And the phrase is to cross the Jordan. If you face an obstacle or a roadblock or a hurdle in your life, it's often talked about as crossing the Jordan And so what I want to invite you to consider today is do you have a Jordan in your life? Do you have an obstacle that you are facing as you consider following Jesus in this new year? As you seek to follow him and to be his disciple, what's that Jordan River? What's that obstacle, that hurdle that's before you that's causing you to question whether you're going to take your next step. Well, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter three, the Israelites are dusty and they're dirty and they're discouraged because they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember, God had led them out of slavery in Egypt because of some bad choices and that they weren't fully trusting God. They were now wandering around waiting they could finally enter that desired land. Well, finally, they're about to enter, but they're again, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River, this obstacle that they have to face. But the problem is the Jordan is at flood stage. It is raging in front of them. It's a very frightening prospect for them. Now, the Canaanites on the other side of the river are very relieved because they see this as a sign of their God's protection. They're like, these guys are never going to make it across that river, and so we're good. But again, the Israelites stood there, and they knew what God had promised, and they were wondering, can we trust God? If God is calling us to go, can we trust his word? You see, 
Joshua 3.8 says, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now imagine the scene as they're on the banks of the river, this raging river in front of them. Now first, they obviously didn't have the opportunity to take Red Cross swimming lessons, so there wasn't any expert swimmers out there. But also, they would be remembering things that their mothers told them, like, don't ever go anywhere near a a river at flood stage. If you've ever been in the Southwest before, and you know how the washes can sometimes fill with water with just a little rainstorm, and there's signs that say, don't drive your vehicle, even into like water about that deep. And there's always some guy who does, and their car gets washed away because there is so much power in the water. And so again, what are the Israelites going to do? God's calling them forward to take another step. He's actually saying, step into the water but are they going to trust or not? Well, fortunately, they chose to trust in God and the priests dipped their toes in the water and scripture says immediately the water starts to pile up upstream and they are able to walk across on dry ground. And God shows his character to us again that he's trustworthy and he provides and he is guiding them forward. You see, to realize their full potential, to live into their promises that God had given the Israelites, they had to get their feet wet. And so now we fast forward back to our gospel lesson today, another significant event that takes place in the Jordan River, not by the river, but in the river And that's Jesus' baptism. Now, if you're like me, when you read about Jesus' baptism, you can't help but wonder why in the world of all people does Jesus need to be baptized, right? We baptize people because of their sinfulness and their brokenness, and we're baptized into Christ's death, and we're raised to new life. But why would Jesus, the only sinless person to ever live, why would he, why would he need to be baptized? baptized. Well, I think there are a number of reasons that we can think about. First, Jesus was baptized to identify with humankind. You see, he was fully God, yet he was also fully human. He understands what you and I go through. He has experienced all that life has And so it's a way that he identifies with us and we identify with him. Number two, Jesus was baptized to exemplify what God desires, right? He lived out God's will. He was fully obedient to what God asked him to do. He shows us that God desires us to be made righteous through his death and his resurrection, to be baptized in faith and to be raised up to that new life that he offers. Thirdly, Jesus was baptized to anoint his ministry. It was kind of like a a first century inauguration of Jesus's mission and his ministry to go out and save lost people like us. And so there's a lot of power and a lot of symbolism in his baptism. It was the the end of the old covenant and the beginning of a new kingdom that he invites us into. But there's one more thing. Remember the setting. 
He's baptized. All of this happens in the Jordan River. The Jordan, the symbol of hardship and obstacles and hurdles. So it's no accident at all that this is the particular place where Jesus begins his earthly ministry. His mission, where he would face obstacle and hurdle one after another. It's through those things and overcoming them all that Jesus ultimately changes the world. Jesus' ministry meant a whole new way of doing things, a whole new way of thinking. It meant all things are now possible. There's no obstacle or hurdle that can hold them back or hold them down. So whether it was the ruling authorities or the religious elites that were out to try to end him, he still was able to go forward. Whether it was five loaves and two fishes to feed thousands of people, it's no problem at all. Whether it was a person who was dead for four days, one of Jesus' best friends, Lazarus, it's a piece of cake for Jesus. Even the cross and the tomb, death itself, couldn't hold him back. And he invites people along the way into this new way of living, where we live in the constant state of God's grace, not under condemnation anymore. Instead of selfishness, he invites us to live selflessly, putting others first. Instead of materialism, he focuses on how we can be fulfilled once and for all through the things of God, not the things of this world. Instead of death and fear, he shows us that we can fully trust that God will provide and he will offer us the promise of eternal life. And he calls each one of us to be his disciples. It's like when you're out on a playground as an elementary school kid and you're, you're waiting to see who's going to choose you for their team. And God says, I want you, all of us, even with our backstories, even with the secrets we have, even all that we've done and said, God says, I want you on my team. I want you to be a part of my mission. You see, we're called to be his ambassadors, his representatives in the world. But here's the truth, and we, we all know this, that being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus is not always easy. Right? We're, we're surrounded by all sorts of obstacles. Instead of loving God and loving people like we're told to do, we're tempted to love all sorts of other things, whether it's money or status or power or prestige. Being a disciple might mean that we have to stand up for the truth when it's not, pos when it's not popular sometimes. Being a Christ follower often requires us to get outside our comfort zone, and that's not easy. Being a Christ follower means taking another step despite the obstacles. It means getting our feet wet and fully relying on God. See, church, we will never experience all that God has in store for us without getting our feet wet. We have to take up Jesus's invitation to follow. We have to take our next step of faith. We have to choose to trust instead of just standing on the riverbank longingly looking at our destination in the distance.
You see, just like the Israelites, we all have times when we're called to cross the Jordan in order to live out our God-given calling and purpose. But if you're like me at all, you'd much rather have all of the details taken care of first. Like, I want to know everything this entails. I want to see the plan. I want every bullet point. And then I'm more than happy to move forward. But you know, God doesn't operate like that, right? We have to trust that God has perfect timing. He has perfect plans. And he has a perfect perspective. But it means that we have to trust. We have to know that God is always trustworthy. And he will always provide. Now, as I was thinking back in my life, there was one obstacle that I had to face, a Jordan River that I had to cross, although it wasn't a river, it was actually a border. And the border was the Minnesota-Iowa border. Now, I've told this story before, but I will again. So when I was in seminary, my second year of seminary, you have to find, figure out where you're going to do your internship. The third year of seminary, you go and intern at a church. Well, again, I love to plan. I like to have everything laid out. I was engaged to be married to my wife, Lexi. We had a townhouse that we were going to move into after we were married in Burnsville. And there was a large church less than two miles away, and I had arranged an internship there. Everything was working out perfect. But I got an email from a pastor in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, if you're at all like me and grew up in Minnesota, spent your whole life in Minnesota, you might know, like I do, hundreds of Iowa jokes, right? The prospect of going to Iowa just like not even on my radar. But I felt like I should meet with this pastor. So I went and met with him and it was an incredible meeting. I went and told Lexi about it. We prayed about it and we really felt God calling us to cross the border into Iowa. Well, let me tell you, after living in Des Moines for a year, it's not that bad. It's actually a great place to live. And we had the most incredible year learning and growing in our faith. See, that was a little obstacle that we had to cross. We had to trust that God had perfect plans. And it's the best decision we made. Now, there are all sorts of different obstacles that might be holding you back from the next season that God is calling you into There are many different obstacles. Maybe all throughout this church, we could come up with a very extensive list. Whatever is holding you back from taking your next step of faith, dipping a toe in the water. You know, sometimes it's just the fear of the unknown, the prospect of giving up control. But it could also be a relationship that doesn't glorify God. It could be a behavior that doesn't glorify God. Maybe it's gossiping or holding grudges or bitterness, or complaining. It might be guilt that you carry from past words or actions. It might just be a fear of what other people might say about you. It could be a lack of concern about the well-being of others. We, we all t- tend to turn inward and care more about ourselves than the people that God puts before us. But church, here's the good news, that Jesus and his ministry shows us that there's no obstacle that's too big for him to deal with. And he knows you better than you know yourself. There are no secrets from God. There's nothing in your life that surprises him. There's nothing that you could tell him that would make him go, whoa, I didn't know that. He knows your story. 
He knows your secrets and he still loves and cares for you. You see, Jesus showed us in his baptism that God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. He wants to forgive us and clean us up. And he made that clear by giving up his life for us on the cross. And Jesus showed us in his baptism that when we choose to follow him, then we're called and set apart because we're his sons and daughters. It means we're heirs to everything that belongs to him. By being willing to get our feet wet and stepping out in faith, we can realize our full potential and we can walk in our unique calling that God has for us. So as we close out our time together today and as we enter this new year of 2023 together, I just simply want to ask you this question. How is God calling you to get your feet wet? What's that next step? that you're going to take. Now, the temptation when we hear a message like this is to maybe nod our head a little bit, think, all right, well, it got me thinking, and then do absolutely nothing about it. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you today to take a tangible step. Commit to taking that next step. Dip your toe in the water and see how God will provide. So I wrote down a few different possibilities, and maybe one of these will speak to you, or maybe God will speak something else to you. But here's a few ideas. Maybe God is calling you to get baptized or to renew your baptism. Twice a year here at Calvary, we love to do what we call Baptism Sunday. And we have an opportunity to be baptized by immersion. And so perhaps you've never been baptized before, or maybe you were baptized before you can ever remember. Well, we can also renew our baptism. It's a great way to make a public proclamation of our faith and our trust in Jesus. Now, I understand this can be scary sometimes, but ask anybody who's done it and they will say it is an incredible, incredible experience. So our next Baptism Sunday is coming at the end of February. So pray about whether God's calling you to make this public proclamation of faith. Now, each thing I talk about, you can find out more information on our website, calvary.org. So another idea, join a small group. Maybe you've never gotten involved in a small group before. Well, next week, we're gonna kick off a new sermon and small group series on the book of Colossians. It's gonna be a powerful, powerful time, but we need to do life with others. We believe spiritual growth best happens in a small group. And so maybe you should try a small group this next season. You're not signing up for life Just try the next session. You can go on our website and there are groups that meet all over our communities and all different days and times. So there's one that will work for you. Well, another idea, invite someone to church. If we wanna see God's kingdom grow, if we wanna see our church continue to grow, we need to invite others to come and see. We can't stay in a little Christian bubble. We have to go out, build relationships and invite people to come and meet Jesus. Another idea, step up and be a leader. You know, maybe you've been involved in ministries for many, many years. Well, maybe it's time for you now to be a leader. And again, that can be a scary prospect, but we have people that will help train you and give you the tools that you need. And so be a leader, maybe a small group leader, maybe help lead children or youth, or be involved in another ministry here at Calvary. Maybe God's next step for you is to step up and lead. Well, another idea, 
Find a ministry to get involved in. Find a way to use your gifts and your talents to serve others. And the good thing is there are many, many ways, many ministries we can get involved in here in the church, but we have tons of great partners in the community that you can also get involved in. But here's the temptation again. I think oftentimes we like to do the lowest common denominator. Like I'm gonna find a one hour serving shift, you know, and that's great. I'm gonna do that. I'll check it off the list and I'm good to go for the rest of the year. What I wanna challenge you to do is to find a ministry you're passionate about and then invest and serve in that ministry long-term. Build relationships, see the impact that happens when you dig in over time. Well, another idea, maybe God is calling you to overcome a bad habit or a behavior. Now, it's a really hard thing to do on your own, but God will help. And there are other people who can surround you to encourage you and to help you and to be a resource for you. Maybe this new year, God is calling you to give up something that's harmful in your life. Well, another idea, maybe you need to stand up for what you believe even when it's hard, even when it's unpopular. Maybe at your workplace, maybe at school, maybe another setting. As most of you probably know, on Monday night, there was a football player named uh, Damar Hamlin who had a cardiac arrest on the field. And it was this traumatic thing. And the amazing thing I think throughout the week is to see people in all different settings in the media sharing their faith. There's a a quarterback, a former quarterback in the NFL named Dan Orlovsky, who on ESPN primetime, he said, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I just feel led to pray right now. And he prayed for Hamlin on the air. And it was shared by millions of people. Now, maybe we're not all called to pray in front of millions of people, but we can stand up for our faith wherever God calls us to be. Well, finally, one more thing. Maybe God is calling you to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never fully trusted him with your life. Or perhaps you did one time in the past, but if you're honest today, you feel really distant. And maybe today you could recommit your life to him. You see, church, God is calling you to take your next step, to get your feet wet, And to remember that you can trust him, that he will provide because Jesus has already overcome all of the obstacles. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your amazing love and grace and how you choose us even despite all our flaws and our secrets and all the things that we're not proud of, you still pick us to be on your team. You call us to be followers. And so God, my prayer is for every one of us that we would hear your voice, we would hear your call, and that we would be willing to trust you to get our feet wet, to take our next step, to know that you'll help us overcome whatever obstacles we face as we grow to be more and more like Jesus. And so God, whether it's someone taking their first step of faith or someone taking their millionth step of faith, give us the courage, give us the power, give us the inspiration, overwhelm us with your presence through the Holy Spirit 
God, we want to honor you. We want to glorify you with our lives. And so we trust you and we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And so we pray this in his powerful name and let's all say together, amen.